This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. New tap room now open at Sass Drive and Cameron in Regina. Well, welcome to the Three Down Greencast with Joel Gaston and John Fraser. And it is, of course, once again, uh, a really big day in Canadian sports. It's a, a day in October that everyone is looking for as a... Uh, we're recording once again. There's there's nothing else happening today, is there? No, no. It's October. Nothing ever happens in October. As everybody just eagerly awaits the two of us spouting our thoughts on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, there's definitely not any hockey or baseball or other football or rugby or curling or cricket? Question mark? I think None cricket, of those things are happening. I think cricket was over a while ago. I don't think there's... Or at least like the World Championships, the World Cup or whatever they call it. I think that right. was over the summer. John John whatever Oliver happened. did a whole thing on that, I think. Or was it... No, it was Hassan Minaj or did a did a whole thing on that. And there was like a how corrupt that whole league, that whole World Federation is. And it really changed my view on the uh, Cricket World Cup, really. Huh. Yeah. That's... that's the, I, I didn't know you would have a take on cricket, Joel. I do, I do, actually. Based on one episode of Patriot Act that I watch, yeah. Huh. Yeah, like, it's really schemy. Like, you think, like, and the NCAA and FIFA is bad? Yeah. Like, the World Cricket Association is, like, yeah, they are basically funneling money in, just into, like, certain cricket powers and giving, like, no one else a chance, basically, is what it's coming down to, it feels like. Well, shit, I was trying to play off for some cheap laughs, and now all of a sudden I got knowledge dropped on me. Um, you know what my life philosophy is, Joel? What's that? The day if I learn something that day, that means I can get drunk. And I've learned things about cricket today, so that means I have carte blanche to proceed to get drunk today. Thank you. I'm well. I mean, I guess you wrote work all day, so I'm guess it's not overly surprising that you didn't learn anything before recording oh, this podcast. Oh, I learned certain customers can be real douchebags, but I knew that already from years in the service industry. Yeah, that's there's nothing new there. <laughs> so. I mean, this was, this is, we're going to be completely honest here. This is not, this probably won't be our best podcast. So that's not a no. very, it's not really a high bar to, to cross, it's quite fair. frankly. Fair. Um, but yeah, the Riders beat the Argos and we're going to get into that a little bit. But we were both kind of left after that game wondering, what is there really to talk about after that? Yeah. And yeah, we're in, and, and, and for two guys that have to sit around, or I guess don't have to, but choose to sit around and, talk about said football games when you really don't have a lot to talk about that kind of makes it a little difficult yeah yeah it was it was it was very difficult as i as i do my name drop of myself um that's like your favorite for, name drop 
basically, as everybody that knows me knows that my ego barely fits in the door. Um, I was on I was on CTV Morning Live the next morning, and I was already booked. It had been booked in advance. I'd been asked to come on and fill in for Quinn Magnuson, and uh, I had to text back some things I wanted to discuss. And I literally I just sat there staring at my phone till about nine o'clock at night, going like, I. I Puppies? Question mark. <laughs> that, that's right. Basically, it was like, let let's. This was a very good game. Can we show some highlights? Like, I, I don't know. I think I like. I, I went back to talking about Cody Fajardo because you can always talk about that in Saskatchewan. But like, mm-hmm. and even and even a friend of mine text asked if I could be on uh, Global later this week, and I said. Are we talking about the game that happened or the game that's coming up? He said the game that's coming up. I said, okay, then we're good. We're good because there's nothing to be said about that game that happened. They were really good. End of story, period, dot, end the recording, but we do have other stuff to talk about. All right, see you next week, folks. All right, we out. No, but but realistically, yes, we're going to talk about that game. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of what that game means in the grand scheme of things. There wasn't really much positive that could be gleamed from it, but there could have been a lot negative had things gone sideways, but they didn't. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the stretch. We're going to talk about the return of Jordan Williams Lambert. And of course, I think we're going to talk a little bit as well about the return of uh, Brennan Labatt and how important that was. Uh, but as usual, before we get into everything, John, uh, what is in the glass this week? Well, I think I turned this province's fortunes around by what was in the glass this week. Mired in just terrible weather, rainy, wet, snowy across the province. I walked into my local liquor store, and I went, you know what? I'm going to drink some white IPA. It is not summery at all. I'm going to grab some Pile of Bones white IPA. And lo and behold, the snow has gone away, and we're expecting mid to high teens for the next couple of days, at least a couple of weeks, according to the Weather Network. So you're welcome, Saskatchewan. I went back to the best summer beer there is just because it tastes good in my mouth face. But uh, yeah, I think it's broken the weather. Yes, Pile of Bones White IPA. I have said everything I can say about this magical, magical beer. So your hot takes about sports may be wrong. Mm-hmm. But we may have to start calling you the beer whisperer because you <laughs> you pick up some summer beer of the White IPA, which is never, there's never a bad time for that. And I too like to trick myself into thinking it's nicer sometimes by drinking like a summer beer. Yes, but you also brought back the hazy IPA from Rebellion when you drank the last one in existence previously. It's true. That's fair. My my sports takes terrible. Beer takes. If there's a beer out there that is gone, about to go away, you make me get on it, and uh, I will drink it, and we'll magically come back. <laughs> so yes, if you have uh, one remaining beer of some kind that you know doesn't exist anymore, just uh, send it to uh, John Fraser. I don't know his address. He probably doesn't want to give it out on this podcast. If you DM him on Twitter, he might give it to you. Uh, you can slide in those DMs all day long. <laughs> For me, uh, I am in Ontario this week, uh, our nation's capital, just uh, kind of relaxing a little bit, uh, seeing some family and friends and all that jazz. So uh, we picked up, basically, we went to the LCBO. My wife and I, we just basically filled a flat of different beers and brought them back nice. to our friend's place that we're staying. Uh, for me today, out of Hamilton, Ontario, in honor of probably currently the best team in the league right now, the Hamilton mm-hmm. Ticats, drinking the Collective Arts IPA number 11, uh, made with mosaic and mosaic and Idaho seven hops, and it's got a little bit of lactose in it. Uh, just kind of a, a nice, a uh, little stronger, but uh, a nice tasting IPA. As it's, I've been in trying to basically a lot of different IPAs and sours this week while I've been on quote unquote vacation. So, you know. mm-hmm. so that means you could call it a work trip because of your job at happy hour, right? A little bit, yeah. There's a, there's a, every once in a while I'll send something back to uh, 
either say, should we look into this or just to make people jealous that I'm able to try this? Like earlier in the right. week, I had tried a pina colada sour. Ooh. Which I know one of my coworkers really enjoys, like the flavors of coconut and pineapple, especially together. So I sent it to her and she was like really jealous. So hmm. I did. I am suddenly craving that. I did just book my winter vacation uh, this week. So uh, yeah, now I, I might have to go mix myself a pina colada while my kids are still awake. And uh, I'm sure that would go over real well with, with Lacey. So may, maybe I should. Maybe I'll just stick to beer tonight. Maybe. I mean, it's probably better than doing it when they're asleep and making like a lot of noise. Fair, but then we'll have more max appearances on the podcast. So, and that might bring the numbers up because, as we said, this episode's not going to be very good. I so. mean, he's had some pretty good takes on this podcast whenever he's appeared. Had, he's had some great takes on here, better than mine. He's got a better closing ratio than my zero percent. Uh, a team that did have a good closing ratio this week was, of course, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, as <clears throat> they they handily defeated the Toronto Argonauts. As uh, the game felt a little close early on, but eventually the Riders being the better team in that game, just just pulled away and did what they had to do. And that was basically the gist of my column that I wrote after, well, a day after the game, as I sat on it a little bit, because like you, I after the game, I frankly didn't really know what to say about it, because yeah. and it, I was basically just went off what I thought, and I was like, yeah, they, they did what they had to do. They beat an inferior team and put that two points on the board. That's really all they could do, and that's all they did. Because, you know, they win the game. It doesn't change this narrative around this team that they haven't beaten anyone good. Mm-hmm. Had they lose had they lost that game, it would send that spi- that narrative spiraling in a whole different direction. But they beat the teams and I think this is kind of the big picture that we can talk about with this team this year, and we've talked about it a little bit in the past, is they've beaten every team they were supposed to beat this year. And yes. the, only, the only time you can maybe put a question mark next to this was when they lost to Ottawa in week two. Since then, we've learned that Ottawa is trash. But before yes. that, we didn't really know. And in my opinion, anything that really happens in the first two or three, maybe even four weeks, should be taken with a pretty big grain of salt. So I'm not really going to consider that one a bad loss for them, per se. Because you're still figuring out your team. The other teams are still figuring each other out. There's... There's a whole lot of weirdness that goes on early in football seasons that sometimes shouldn't be taken too seriously. Yes. So I would not include that game as a quote-unquote bad loss. So really, they haven't lost anyone they weren't supposed to this year. And given how competitive the West Division is this year, that is why they are in a position to still have a shot of finishing first in the West. Oh, most certainly. And, and I mean... That's a great point, especially when you look at one of the teams that they were chasing and have now caught up to and have a chance this weekend to really bury in the race for a home playoff game. You look at what Winnipeg's done a couple times this year, blowing the big lead against Toronto, blowing the big lead against Montreal. This is a Winnipeg team that going into last week should have been 11 and 2. By all accounts, they're like you're up that big on Toronto especially, you should never let them back in the game. Montreal's a good football team. You should still not ha- should still not have let them back into that game with your big lead, but so now Winnipeg's all of a sudden in the muck and Saskatchewan isn't in that spot. Yes, maybe they've taken a couple tough losses against a couple good teams in the CFL, but they are in the mix to not 100% control their own destiny for the West Division, but pretty damn near close here in the closing five weeks, thanks to handily winning games against Toronto, because, yeah, that was just, like, and you and I are not the kind of guys that, that when watching this team, try to always look for the positive. We try to look for something like, 
eh, maybe this could have been done a little bit better. Maybe, you know, even in some of those big wins, they allowed a, a couple big returns and things like that. But there was none of that. This was just no. like they were just dominant all the way across the board. Like even got even things I'm like, well, I still haven't seen John Ryan coughing. No, that's a textbook punt. And, oh, let's see what happens if the backup core. Oh, the backups look good. Like they're. I, OK, they were great. Yeah. They, they they looked like a dominant team against a bad team, and they mm. so that's what they had to do. But and that's 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 easier said than done sometimes. Where unless you are the Calgary Stampeders, who are yes. consistently in that eleven to fourteen win range, generally speaking, a lot of football teams have that game or two a year where they just they mess up and they lose to a team they shouldn't. And we've we've seen it time and time again in Saskatchewan. As a Steeler fan, I've seen it many a time. It is like a trademark of the Steelers (laughs) where they go and they play a team that is clearly far superior to them. This is when they are a good team. This year they are not. But when they are, they tend to have that one game where they lose to a team they shouldn't and it either costs them a a first-round buy or it costs them first place in the AFC, which always goes to the freaking Patriots because the freaking Steelers lost that freaking game. But no, I'm not bitter about it at all. No, and, not, no, no, not even, no, not even. You're not angry, no. No, not even in the slightest. But there's no game on the schedule this year where you can say that about the Riders. I, I think there is a certain impressiveness to that, if that's a word. Yeah. Like they, they are. There's an impress. It's impressive that they had the mental ability to go, and it's easy for teams to say, "Oh, you know, we take it one game at a time. You know, you got to go one and zero this week. Everyone, you got to respect everyone. Blah 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 blah." But they actually did it this year. Yeah. And for. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult to do sometimes. Very difficult. As, as you mentioned, Joel, like, like we haven't seen a perfect season in the CFL because it is just that much of a grind to go across the country uh, t- to go ahead and, and keep your focus. And we've seen some very good CFL teams and some very bad CFL teams, right? There's, somebody's always going to pull out that win. And, yeah, it's, it's quite impressive, and that's why we're talking about this team now coming into the final five games of the regular season. Yeah, Not just a – I mean, again, a home playoff game could essentially be decided this coming weekend, but still in the mix for a first-round bye. Yeah, like it's there. I, it's, not, it's not going to be simple. They no. have to – they either have to slaughter Calgary in their game later this year and beat them by more than 30 points to get the tiebreaker – or have you know a few breaks go their way, but there is a a possible path. But it all starts this week, and there's a lot of times you talk about, oh, this is the biggest game this year. And you know we've talked about it a few times in the past. And but I think this game against Winnipeg this coming weekend is the biggest game of the season for both teams. And that's yes. what's going to make it really interesting in the grand scheme of the picture because, okay, yes, Winnipeg's really, and they've had a bit of a bump here, but I still believe at their core they're a good football team and they can get it figured out. So it is certainly possible that Winnipeg could win this game. So it's going to come down to whatever happens in this game on Saturday. Whoever wins that game, I think, is the only has is really the only team that has a chance at taking down Calgary when it comes down to winning this division. If you lose this game on Saturday, whether you're Saskatchewan or Winnipeg, it would take something downright goofy to win the division, probably even get a home playoff game at this point. So with that, I even consider the fact that they were able to remain focused on the Toronto Argonauts with this massive, massive, massive game looming is even more impressive. 
Yeah, and no, you're absolutely right. And, and and before we started recording, just to peel back the curtain a bit, you and I were sitting there discussing ways that one of these two teams could possibly lose and still end up in first or hosting a home playoff game. And it's kind of there, but it's just not practically there. Like no, you, like my are, head, my head started to hurt a little bit doing the math. Like that's that's fair. Like I do a lot of numbers for a living, and even at that, I'm like, okay, f this, I'm out. Um, <laughs> we were hitting, we were hitting a point where, okay, well, if this happened and the moon aligns with Venus and an asteroid misses us by exactly 50,000 miles, then maybe this could happen. But you're, you're right. When you just look at it, the winner of this game this weekend on Saturday is going to hold the tiebreaker over the other team. Hmm. So that is huge because the tiebreaker, I mean, but you're going to jump a game ahead essentially two games ahead because of the tiebreaker and Winnipeg has four games left to play. Yep. Like you're taking a two game lead with a win vice versa. You know, I mean, Saskatchewan's got five games left to play while Winnipeg's got four, but there's still like, I, I, you're right. It's not at all probable. The, the winner of this game is probably hosting a playoff game and still is very much alive and in control of their own destiny because both teams will play Calgary down the stretch run for first place in the West Division. Yeah, so the, the question becomes then, what do you do? You know, like, what do you do if you lose? And it, make, it makes it difficult. And, you know, this this game is just going to be such a fascinating game to watch on so many different levels because, okay, the Riders are coming in a high. The Bombers have the Bombers have kind of struggled a little bit, but you know there's professionals on that coaching staff. You know, we obviously, we respect Paul Lapolis. They're going to figure out the offense. They're working, you know, it seems like in practice this week, they are making... You know, tackling on defense, these different things they've struggled with the last little while based on just the pure number of yards they've given up for the last couple of games is astronomical. Yeah, oh yeah, it's, it's it's stupid. So I'm not, you know, the last time we the Riders played the Bombers, we got into a little bit about, you know, the fact that who they were missing, all this and that. And the other thing, I think what we've learned through that process is don't ever really count out the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in a game. Yes. Like, I, the talent is there, the coaching is there, everything is there still. So despite the fact they've lost two in a row and they've looked kind of bad in the process, especially you know especially the last game and a half, yeah, they're not in the spot to take them lightly. And and based on the history of what we've learned about this team, they shouldn't. And the fact that it's in Saskatchewan is going to help them as well. And this this is all hands on deck, and I think we're seeing that a little bit with the way the roster has been handled over it a little bit because last week we talked about what should they do with Jordan Williams Lambert. That was kind yes. of the bulk of the episode, because that was kind of the biggest talking point coming out of the bye week, was what were they going to do with him? And Craig Dickinson said it was either going to be, if he inserted the lineup, it was going to be Manny Arsenault or Naaman Roosevelt. And we, we talked a lot about you know the, the benefits of perhaps resting Naaman Roosevelt in that game against Toronto. Yeah. And I still, you know, I still believe everything they said there. They didn't make a wrong choice by not starting Williams Lambert, by not putting them in the lineup, by holding him off for another week. I think that's good for him as well in terms of adjusting back to the CFL. So like, the decision they made wasn't wrong. The wrong decision would have been playing Naaman in. You know, the wrong there could have been other wrong decisions that they could have made with that one. Basically. Oh, certainly. But now they've decided. Okay, this is a huge game. Jordan Williams Lambert's going to line up, and we're making the decision that unfortunately has to be made which is taking out Manny Arsenault. Yeah, you know, Arsenault had the long touchdown that everybody went went crazy and celebrated against Toronto. We we all knew the writing was on the wall for this one. So, and, and, and again, 
I think if you do if you do lose this game, the focus needs to start shifting about maybe giving, you know, a name in Roosevelt a game off, putting Manny Arsenault back in. Uh, I mean, Kenny Stafford's been basically sitting on the practice roster the whole time. I mean, I, I, he's still here. He's still a thing. You might want to see him in a game before the playoffs, but. That, to me, is only what happens if you lose. And you said it best, all hands on deck. If the Riders can beat the Bombers for a second time this year, it is all hands on deck here until the end of the season. And, and, and you know, you're right. It would have been real nice to rest Damon Roosevelt because if you win, might be your last chance to rest anybody on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders team. Yeah, well, perhaps. And I, I think now... Now, we, we, despite what we talked about, Neyman Roosevelt, and I know some people brought it up, like, oh, you don't sit him, you don't set down your possession guy, you don't sit in that, like, be specific. Right. We were talking about that one game. Yeah, oh, for sure, yeah. I, I still would like, if they had the opportunity to rest Roosevelt and, and, and get Arsenal into a game, you know, before the, before the end of the season, if that opportunity presents itself no matter what happens... I think you got to. I, I think you have to consider that because I think you need to. You might need Manny Arsenault pending on a pending an injury here. You might need uh, Neyman Roosevelt's got some injury history. A game off might not be the worst thing in the world for him, but no. I, I would still like to see them do that. But yeah, from here on out, you need Neyman. You need Jordan Williams Lambert. You need the. Whole, you need everybody that's going to be on the field for this big game coming up against Winnipeg. Yeah, if and what we're talking about here now, basically at this point, you can start to consider resting a guy like Neyman Roosevelt. If you get to a point in the game of the season war where the game doesn't matter, where yeah, okay, exactly. you are locked into number two in the standings, no matter what you do, then okay, maybe rest Naaman Roosevelt for a game, give him a bit of a break. So I think that's kind of what they're looking at in this point. And I'm not saying like I don't have any inside information on Naaman Roosevelt's health or anything like that. We're just kind of talking big picture. And I think I just think overall it's a discussion that needs to be had more in sports. Because yes. uh, you know, we, we've seen the NBA do it, and it was it was a really big talking point across the NBA, the way the Raptors handled Kawhi Leonard last year. And it is a little different in football because you have a limited number of games. You're not playing back-to-backs and the whole thing like that with travel in between. So I get that it's slightly different. But I still think there is an application of load management that can be applied to football where it where it can fit. And so, I, and it's not just okay. It's the last game of the regular season. Doesn't matter. Like I think there are certain points in the season where you can rest a guy, and I would like to see that. I like to see that apply across all sports. And I believe we talked about this last week, quite frankly. Where yes. I still think this is a thing that could happen. Um, a guy that's had a lot of rest this season because he was hurt for all of it until last week. It's of course, offensive lineman Brent Labatt. And we we've talked a few times on this cast about how the offensive line has been pretty good without him for a change. But they've been pretty good without him for a change. But I think, and granted, again, it was Toronto. We've seen the difference in that game that Brennan Labatt makes being in the lineup. Being back on that left side where he everything was just stabilized again. Yes. And Cody Fajardo just had so much time on a number of plays to actually throw the ball downfield. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, and and that's what makes Cody Fajardo work, being able to chuck the ball, stretch out the defense, and you need good protection to do that. And yeah, it, nothing was noticeably bad with the Riders' offensive line while he wasn't there. I mean, they they again they were very good, but it just got better when Brendan Labatt was there, and that's what you expect out of a guy that's been a multiple time All Star and 
you know, comes back from injury and a veteran guy, that's that is exactly what you want to see from from your line from Labatt, especially this late in the season. And and to me, again, we're talking load management and stuff. You hate to see a guy miss time because of injury, but it's not the worst thing in the world to have a very fresh Brendan Labatt coming in here for the final five regular season games and an obvious boost to that offensive line. And and I, I, I'm I'm still very interested to see how the line performs against Winnipeg. I, I, they are going to be very good. They've been very good all year. They've been very good against Winnipeg in the past, but it's just much more of a test mm-hmm. to the health of Labatt and the rest of the line compared to what Toronto throws at you. Oh, no, no, for sure. Like, this this will be a good statement to be kind of where they were at, and I, I agree. Like, if there is a time to miss Labatt, it's earlier in the season. We've seen him lost at worst times in the season. The offensive line has taken a bit more of a hit, and... The thing is, the offensive line could still get better because there is still a chance that, like, Philip Lake and Dakota Cofield could still actually be back this year. Yes. Which makes, which you're like, okay, if they can get their offensive line back for the playoffs with William Powell, that, you know, I think that changes the outlook of where this team wants to be. And it just just changed the offense in general. I think it really did. And that's, that's really, that's really positive. And what, what was interesting was it, I kind of felt like, and I put in the piece that, for the last few weeks, it sort of felt like the offense was fine. Mm-hmm. There was nothing inherently wrong with it, per se. But it's been a while since you were really, like I think, impressed by the Ryder offense. Yes. And that game against Toronto felt like a little bit of a step in direction of fixing that. Fixing that because, yes, again, it was Toronto. But there was, there was a certain little bit more of creativity. There was the long pass. There was these different things that were kind of making their way back into it where they had kind of been stuck in the mud for a little bit it felt like and and no you're uh, you're absolutely right with uh, with that one there Joel and, and and again it just goes back to how impressive they look shows the potential that they have and really and even in the games that like we weren't gushing about the rider offense i thought they were running the ball better they weren't depending so much on Cody Fajardo and that's going to be a dangerous aspect to have i mean moving forward and come to the postseason you know when it's cold you got to run the ball. Looks like the O line should be, you know, ridiculously like like like. Can any of those guys all of a sudden convert to tight ends? Like, can can we make that a thing? Change up their numbers, make them eligible. Just go with six of those guys on the line. Like, it's it's ridiculous the depth that they have there. And you're right, that's what you need come playoff football time. But it is. I I I've still they look great against Toronto. They're getting healthier. They health they're healthier than they've been a, a, a for a while. And this again, this is going to be a huge matchup, and I'm really looking forward to it this weekend. So, what do, what do you think are what are the keys to this game? Because we we've seen the Riders and the Bombers play a couple of times in two very different football games. That frankly, both of them could have gone different ways early had some Certainly. things happened. So, like, it really leaves you feeling like what is like. I don't really know if I have a feel for what's going to happen in this football game. Are you based on the fact that? the Labor Day Classic, the Riders should have run away with based on the chances they had early and didn't capitalize. Yes. And then it's kind of the same thing in the Banjo Bowl, not quite the same degree, where, you know, they they got the sack on the first play of the game and Winnipeg's at, like, their three-yard line, and then Strebler runs that, like, 20-yard draw, which saved the game, basically. Yes. And now, so there's been ups and downs in both games, and I feel like it's essentially two evenly matched teams. But I, like, I just really don't know what to expect out of this game. Well, for me, and I'm a guy that, that watches, A, a lot of Saskatchewan football, but also probably more Winnipeg football than 
a lot of people in the province, them being my team, Winnipeg needs to accept the risk of Strevler running because that's the only time they're good. You could see they wanted him to stand in the pocket and pass the ball and protect himself a little bit against Hamilton. And they did the same thing in the Labor Day Classic, and it doesn't work. So if Winnipeg comes out and they, wanna, they want Strevler to sit back and pass, Saskatchewan wins this game handedly. If Winnipeg wants to win this game, they're going to let Strevler run. They're going to run the risk of injury. And, I mean, they're completely screwed if he goes down. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I can mm. get why you'd want to see him stand in the pocket more. But to me, Winnipeg is so dangerous with Harrison Strevler on, on, on the ground. I mean, it's just it's when they decide, okay, we're going to call a bunch of passes. And, again, they've got that dangerous defensive line that, that you know, the riders are beefed up on the O-line. But to me, it, it's going to come down to – what Winnipeg do we see and what Winnipeg is a Saskatchewan defense prepared for? Are they prepared for if they're prepared for and they execute and Strebler comes out running and they find a way to limit him and Andrew Harris, which is extremely difficult to do, they win. Or if Winnipeg just decides, yeah, we're going to make Strebler pass a whole bunch, the Riders should have it in the bag, much like the Labor Day Classic. So I think that's kind of what it comes down to. What are you, which Winnipeg are we going to see and which Winnipeg is Saskatchewan prepared for? Yeah, I think it works the other way, too, because we've seen some different sides of the Riders at times this year. Yes. I, I think especially offensively. I think defensively, they've been pretty consistent in what they've done all season. I don't think there's any really huge... I don't think you should expect anything different, per se, from what the Riders have done defensively all season, probably for the most part. Um, but the offense will be interesting to watch. And, you know, I'd be, it'd be curious to see if maybe for once Stephen McAdoo decides that this is the time that maybe he needs to attack a vulnerable, what seemed like a vulnerable secondary. Because at least that's what I think I would do. If I'm coming out on offense today, if I'm a Riders offensive coach, I'm saying, okay, this secondary is kind of beat up right now, at least emotionally. They've struggled a bit at times. Let's oh, get a little, They're a little banged up injury-wise too, you're right. Yeah, let's, let's get after them a bit and see if we can get them down on themselves again. By, by throwing the football a lot, by basically throwing to set up the run to end the game. Yeah, and, and no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think it was you and I were texting about just how bad that Bombers secondary looked for large stretches of the game against Dane Evans uh, last last week. And I'm, here's a hot take. I think Cody Fajardo is a better quarterback than Dane Evans, so mm. there's your John hot take of the week. Um, and I hope that one's actually correct, but... <laughs> but <clears throat> You're right. I, I attack that attack that bomber secondary. It's not good. Looks like they might have to actually change up the ratio depending on the health of Jeff, Jeff Hecht and let the run take care of itself in terms of you know what the teams have to do offensively. So, yeah, I I, I, I do think Saskatchewan's very well prepared to win this game. And and as a Winnipeg fan, I'm just waiting for them the bottom to fall out and them to shoot themselves in the foot because that's just what they do. And, I mean, history suggested otherwise, and it's it's so fascinating because. This was the year where it looked like Winnipeg had all their ducks in a row, finally. And it's just going the other way on them right now. And the, the only thing that's really holding me back from me really being bullish on a rider win this week is being someone who has covered the riders for a while. You've seen this story a lot, but the other way, where things have kind of been going sideways for the riders and... You know, there's these different issues with the team and there's sort of you know ins and outs and different dramas and this whole different thing and no one expects them to win and then they do and that's kind of very much a CFL story and we've seen a lot with the Riders when everything seems to be going against them they tend to win a football game 
So that's just kind of in the back of my head right now where I'm like, I am like super tempted to take the Bombers this week just because of that. Well, you know, the only way to resolve this, Mm -hmm. let's find out who Vanstone's picking and pick the opposite. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is one option. Unless you are picking the same as Vanstone that... Then, I don't then know. that cancels out the John's bad takes, canceled out, multiply the Vanstone curse times Josh Smith's wrestling love plus John Hodge's beard equals. Um, um, I'm just not going to pick this week. That's it. Let's just find out who Vanstone's pick and pick the opposite. Boom. There we go. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've done a math, n- enough math. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.